Welcome to the Ontario Outdoor Pursuit Podcast. We deliver a hunting podcast from Ontario, Canada. We'll give you season updates, harvest reports, and how we go from field to plate. We're going to even talk about our equipment setups and the gear we use. We're just a couple of fellows who understand that we don't know everything, but we put meat on the table every year. Sit back and enjoy our stories. What's going on, people? Uh, we're back. We're alive. Uh, we're here. We're here to stay, as always. And uh, I got a massive headache right now, but Mama didn't raise no bitch, so we're going to podcast. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're enjoying some homemade wine and a delicious meal tonight. Well, uh, I, it's my yeah, I was going to say, why don't you cover it? What is it? Osobuco. Venison Osso That was the most white way to say Osobuco. All right, tell me. Osobuco. Tell me the Italian way. <laughs> Why don't you call it like Osobuco while you're at it? <laughs> I thought about it. Osobuco. From a buck. Yeah, that was a really good comparison. Good job. Brad. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was from a buck, so it totally makes sense. I understand it, so as long as I understand, then that's fine. Proud of you. <laughs> um, so anyways, what is roughly, what is Osobuco? So Osobuco, is that up oh, to your standards? It's a little better. <laughs> It is a shank in which you take the leg with the bone in. Yeah. Like, literally, like, if you're comparing it to, like, your leg, it'd be, like, your knee down, that shank. Like yeah, the cat. bottom of your knee down. Yeah. yeah. So, you chop that up. Into a health tech. So, what I do is, I mean, how we did it is we took the leg from the bottom of the knee, basically, to the ankle. Yeah. And we froze that portion. Right. We take that portion, when it's still frozen, we cut that into whatever your desired thickness being ours was two and a half inches was a, a nice steak size yeah. based on the recipe I went off of. Yep. Um, that recipe can also be found on meateater.com. And how I start that is by marinating um, the shank pieces after they've been sliced when frozen. I and you cut it with a bandsaw. I did cut it yeah, with the cut. giant bandsaw. I just, I, I hope no one's trying to like be in their kitchen with a knife trying to cut these bones. <laughs> It won't work very well. I mean, you no. could take a, a hacksaw or a, uh, you a could handsaw do of some sort. Definitely um, could. But yeah, we use the bandsaw. It, it slices through like butter. And how I start these is I put them, I do this kind of the night before the morning of, and I will cut it frozen because that's the easiest way to cut it, clean them, take any sort of bone fragments off. Yeah, you can just like rinse under a tap easily. Yeah, and wipe it down, throw it back in the fridge, let it cool till the morning, till it's a little bit um, thawed if you will. And then I put it in oil, some sea salt, pepper, and dip it in flour, you know, kind of base each side in flour and then throw it on a skillet, let each side gold, and then throw it into the crock pot. I put it in the crock pot for seven hours today, which turned out to be great. And I put that in with, um, 14 ounces of diced tomatoes, uh, two carrots chopped up, diced, and three celery stalks and onions diced and uh, it was uh, three quarters of an onion yeah okay white onion i used okay and then um there's also calls for a small portion of water to put into this and that just kind of helps with um like if you want to put a little bit extra on after uh when the meal cooks i used beer instead of water i only used a half cup of beer as much better much better yeah a little bit of extra flavor, and uh, that was my first time having that meal. And also, buco is just—it's my favorite. Also, bucko is delicious. <laughs> D- 
the the bone marrow having the bone marrow on a piece of meat is is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Like the creamy, the buttery taste yeah. is the best thing is like the bone marrow melts and like renders out into the sauce. So like it, everyone you gotta taste it anyways. Mm-hmm. But then if when you take the actual bone you pop out the the uh the marrow piece. Yeah. Yeah, and you put it on there and then you grab one of the pieces of the potato that you put it on. Whew. Yeah, so we served that over just um some fried some fried potatoes. And it was just, uh, we, we let them soak a little bit on high heat, throw them into a skillet with a bit more butter and salt if you want. I used a touch of pepper and a tiny little bit of garlic, and uh, it was ready for serving. It was good. It was delicious. It's so d- Certainly my favorite. I'll be taking all four legs next time. Because I would bet when people, if they do it themselves or if they go to a butcher, they're going to get their deer processed, they're going to tear in that. Okay. That's, that's just, fine. You can just, no, just cool. watch the Instagram just, videos. As my phone's just making weird noises. Sorry about that. Um, I would bet that most people would turn that little bit of leg scrap into ground. It, yeah, I would bet. Yeah, I mean, for me, for us maybe, it's usually that way. Yeah, and but the best way to do it is to make Asabuco out of it. You get a full meal out of it. Like, I mean, one shank, you can probably do a meal for two people. Yeah, I did uh, six slices of two and a half inch pieces. Uh, for tonight, so that did me, you, and Victoria, no problem. There's still a little bit left over for tomorrow. Yeah, it's perfect because everyone gets two little rounds, mm-hmm. and then the potatoes and everything else. Fill it's you. more. A, it's not like a, you're filling up like turkey dinner is, but like you're you're having a uh, you know a, a ritzy, a more enjoyable, more flavorful type meal. Yeah, I um I'm I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I know when we butchered that deer, I had said to you, I said, Hey, do you want to try Osabuco? And mm-hmm. There was actually, uh, you wrote on the butcher wrap and said, oh, Sabuco, it was just a leg yeah. shank, but is that it? Yeah, I just, I, I definitely wrote on there for what we're going to use this meat for, and I did that on a lot of our cuts, which is nice. So when you go into the freezer, and if you tell your significant other to grab out this piece for what, if you got some form of short form on there saying OB for Osobuco, it's pretty easy to understand what that meal is going to be. Yeah, easy peasy. So, big question. What's I in the box? I have an answer. What's in the box? What's in the bag? What's in the box? It's from the movie. Okay. Can't remember. I think Brad Pitt's in it. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so we figured this one would be a cool idea to talk about what we keep in our individual bags when we're on hunts. Cameron going on deer hunt, me being on a waterfowl hunt, what's in our blind bag versus our backpack. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of cover everything and uh, I'll ask some questions. Are we going to kind of talk like uh, like an early season Cameron, it's our podcast. We can talk about It's our podcast. We can do whatever you want, man. <laughs> do you want to say what's in the beginning of the season or to the middle, to the end, like to where we are how, now? How about we talk about what's going to be in, in throughout the whole season? Okay. And then uh, you go first with your deer bag. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done that, talk about, you know, hey – I add this in late season or mid season. Whatever. Yeah, because mine does change up a little bit throughout the season. Yeah, that's fair. Mine, like, I, mine's more so like clothing stuff that I keep in there. But I agree. Okay, okay go. So what's in the box? What's in the box? The box is the Alps Outdoors pack that I use, um, and that I've got filled with the most important thing: my tag. It's not yellow anymore. It's in a, a Ziploc. They're going to say a picture of your wife. Thank you to Ziploc for um, the sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep all kinds of knives in there. I actually carry three knives in my bag. You carry a handgun in there too? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> 
these these knives they're all for different things so i have a havalon and havalons are great for uh skinning even butchering and what i really like to use mine for is just notching tags <laughs> because they're so you're not you're joking <laughs> you're not joking i'm kind of not he's joking. not joking i'm kind of not joking in the sense that havalons are so sharp they are seriously like surgical razors haven't you cut yourself on one just by touching it. Maybe yeah. by looking at it. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not pretty sure. sure I remember you saying you cut yourself on one once. So notching a tag, it just makes it so simple to use that tiny little blade to cut out your little triangle of the date and time such. So that's what that knife's for. Okay. If you use it for other purposes, it's probably used for other that, you know, supposed to be used for that. But I think they sell it for other purposes. It, it's great for cutting paper. And that's what I'm going to They should They should sell one that. that says like Havlon like tag notcher. <laughs> So that just a little, staples. just a little smaller version, just for <laughs> notching tags. And I carry my bear grills knife. Um, that one is for hacking all kinds of things apart. It's a very indestructible knife. It was actually the first knife I got into hunting. Um, and then the other one I have is an elk ridge knife that you got us, and yeah. it's nice for nice for like kind of tight quarters, yeah, small, small spaces. Um, you know, once you have your, if your elbows deep in a, a deer and you're trying to just get at the last bit of organs closer yeah. to, as you're approaching the neck, it's nice to do some small incisions there and just pull everything out. Yep. Um, so that's what I like to use that knife for. Okay. Um, so that's kind of my knife kit. I always have my flashlights in there. I have a headlamp in there. I have face paint in there, given that the temperature of the day is either a little warmer, a little cooler. I usually wear a face mask, but sometimes I like to put a little makeup on and look real cool. Kip Campbell does a great job of that. Shout out to Hardy face paint. <laughs> and uh, amongst that, I have my Primos Retroar call and my rattle bag. Um, so that you keep this in no matter what it's this really... is all. This is the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. I'll get into how I kind of what I put in or if I add anything or if I take anything out. Okay. And. That pretty well, those are the things that stay with me all season long. I will take, now that I've got this new um, seat pad, I'll bring this in with me every time because I've, I'm no longer interested in replacing the seat pads on my tree stands that squirrels have had their time with. Right. Made homes in, um, you know, used as um, great tents for the Living quarters. And living quarters and such, so... Um, I now use the XOP seat cushions and I bring that to and from. Or they have a good podcast. <laughs> um, shout out to James for that. Thank you, James Vanoss. And I will use the XOP. Um, I have my scent spray in there all season long as well. And that's used before I go in every time. And the only time that I will really kind of change up what i'm putting in there is the hunter's cloak that i've been using and it's the first time this year for that so hunter's cloak is a mister type um apparatus that you can use whether it's around your neck or there's a, what's called the dual mister and that you can put 160 feet away from you rut rouser the rut rouser yep it's a dual mister so you can mist yep. out both sides i was just thinking that's the name of it right correct and uh, it's you've got a small remote. It's 6, 9, and 15 seconds. So you can disperse these type of scents in a mist um, at, that, at that time delay. So uh, what we have is this box of corn, apples. Um, we use the peanut butter for bear hunting in a barrel. 
we've got a uh, doenestrus, we've got buck urine, and I'll use these depending on what I'm hunting, what time of year I'm hunting. So in the past two weeks, I used the doenestrus and the buck urine simultaneously, and it was kind of like, um, so I'd use it one nine seconds on, the other one 15 seconds on. So what that does is one will spray for, uh, I believe each one is eight seconds spray, and then the the time delay is the break between the sprays. Okay. Is what I have it patterned down to. So I would use the doestrus more, the buck the buck urine less, as a doe was in the vicinity and a buck is slowly following. He's there, he's marking, he could be rubbing, he could be peeing in a scrape, whatever. Right. So that's what I'll throw in kind of towards the late season. Um as we get further on kind of now, it's just, I'm packing more warm gear. I'm packing, um, you know, a thermos of tea, coffee, some snacks. Snacks are super important. Mm-hmm. Halloween's a great time to pack all your snacks, whatever you don't want to hand out to kids. Still Keep for yourself for the tree stand. Highly recommended. <laughs> um, I love Twizzlers. So kids don't usually get a Twizzler from my house. No. And that's usually what goes into my pack. Um, Those things will differentiate all year long. But um, as I mentioned, the things at the beginning, those will always stay in the pack until Christmas, basically. Okay. Um, So other than warm gear, like, do you bring out like a bleak can or something later in the season? No? No, I don't use a bleak can. Um, The Primos Rut Roar Call comes with uh, five different tabs, which you can adjust a small O-ring up or down. And you can do a doe bleat, you can do a doe grunt, you can do a young uh, a young doe bleat, and you can do an estrus bleat, and then you can do two different types of buck calls. So a mature and a trophy buck. And one's just deeper, it's just in the tones. So I will just use that one call. Um, I did use a uh, doe can, and what I found was, if at all, it snowed quite a bit and you had the doe can out, for whatever reason, you've seen deer across the field, say, 300 yards away. You're using your doe can, and it's collecting snow. You put it in your pocket. The moisture starts to build up in that and slowly freezes. So at an important time when you want to make a quick you know, turn and make a noise, it, it doesn't go off well, then you've got nothing. So I only stick to the one call now. And even if I were to look into, you know, there's tons of companies that will make um, calls that have the dough and the the buck in it. But I'm going to stick to the grunt tube style of calls. Okay. Well, that's fair. Anything else that you can think of? Not really, no. Usually, um, actually, maybe I'll keep an extra peg in there, depending on whether I'm bringing out the camera set or not. I'll keep a peg in there to... um, hang the bow or hang my quiver or the camera set and that that's pretty much it that's all i carry i like to stay nice and light sometimes i'll even switch up the bag from uh the alps bag to this other camel one i had since day one of hunting and it's just a lot smaller it just tucks under my feet a lot nicer than the alps one um but the alps does hold a lot more yeah But no, that, that's pretty well all I'll carry all year long. Like I said, it does just generally like to fill up between the beginning of the season and now just with warmer gear and some more snacks, stuff to keep me more warm and comfortable yeah. as I'm sitting in the stand. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Hunter's Blend Coffee for helping me stay awake today. 
<laughs> it was nearly more network and and, uh, and being warm in the tree stand at every sit. I was gonna say being warm in my truck this morning, but yes. <laughs> um, okay, what goes in my blind bag? So I have an Alps blind bag. It's their deluxe floating model. Mm-hmm. So what's always in there at all times? Um, the cool thing about this bag, this blind bag, is it has all these dividers in there. It's not just like a cheap blind bag that you get from Walmart, where you know it opens up and that's it. It has a sunglass holder. Like, it's a pocket specifically designed to hold sunglass. It's like a semi-hard shell. Ray-Bans or Oakleys? Uh, if I had to pick between the two, definitely. You wear Edge. I know you wear Edge. Oakleys. Yeah, definitely Oakleys over them. Edge are pretty cool, though, because apparently you can shoot Edge sunglasses with a shotgun, 12-gauge shotgun, and they will not shatter. That was the last ones I had. Yeah, correct. Is that what they were? Yeah, Edge. Oh, shit. <laughs> Glad you know that. Yeah, I know. I had a pair. They were great. I yeah. never did shoot them to try them. Maybe we'll do an Instagram video of that. That would be actually really fun. Yeah. Can you be wearing them, though? Wow. That's really... Uh... <laughs> Just kidding. And, uh, yeah, this day marks the day we shut down uh, OOP ZOP. XOP. <laughs> um, okay, so always have my sunglasses in there. Really handy on, especially early season when it's sunny days and late season when it's snowy. So then... There's a built-in light, which is handy in there. On the left side, I usually keep my extra choke tubes. So 99.9% of the time, I'm running a full choke, except for when I'm in the woody flooded hole because all the shots are like 15 yards and less. So I like to go as open as I can, so I have a few of those. Um, I keep one extra call on the side, and that's just in case I need an extra call. I usually don't. I've never had to touch it, but sometimes I forget my calls, and that's not a good day. Uh, opening up the main pouch, I always have two packs of uh, shotgun shells, two boxes. I guess that's the proper word. So usually, you know, if I'm if I know it's going to be more of a duck hunt, then I'll have more number fours in. I know if it's going to be more of a goose hunt, I'll have more number twos in. And but if it's a mixed bag day, then run with number twos, and um, it's really nice because they have these slots that are designed exactly to hold the shotgun box so it just slides right in um there's always a first aid kit in the middle of my blind bag so i mean it's like the simple stuff though right it's like band-aids and uh some gauze and tape and i think there's like a, a glove in there and something else but basically it's just like you know people cut their fingers and shit stubbling corn or yeah whatever and i always like to have for everyone so a quick repair and then back yeah to the game. i mean like if someone chops their hand off it's not like i have a kit prepared for that but <laughs> it is nice i do always have an emergency eye wash station in my truck though fun <laughs> fact that's because of work not for hunting but i mean i'd use it for hunting fat thanks to the sponsor of work <laughs> of work um so anyways that's that i always have my lanyard in there no matter what um always... now you, you say you always have your lanyard in there except for the fact that i would say you are the caller yeah i mean like the group Sorry, like going out to the field, it's in there. Okay. And then once I get there, obviously it's on my neck. Okay. Um, but you are right, I do call. So the fun ones are when I forget the lanyard in the truck. <laughs> Usually someone else just throws me a call. I'm like, thanks, man. <laughs> um, until I remembered to put an extra call in my thing. Yeah. So there's that. Um, off the top of my head, there's also my knife for cleaning birds. So I have a knife that I keep just for birds. It's made by, you ever heard of Cold Steel? I have, uh, just because of you have talked okay. about them. They have, like, the growing up, they had the craziest YouTube videos. 
So, like, they manufacture knives, swords, axes, whatever. Um, when they made their, these videos, they decided to do them, like, really, like, goofy style. So, you know, on their katanas, they'll chop a pig in half. Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it shows that it's sharp and durable, but just ridiculous. Anyway, right. so they make something called the Canadian belt knife, which is what I have and I love for birds. It has a sweet angle on it, so... It's like a gentle curve angle, but it's really nice for getting in there. It has a nice pointy tip, which is really nice for doing ducks. Is this the same as your uh, letter envelope opener? Or no? That's, no. That's not a cool No, no, that, okay. that's like legitimately an actual katana. Just like a butter a knife. That, that's just your standard KitchenAid. Yeah. I have like a, I don't know, what would you say? It's eight inches or something? Just a little katana, my yeah. letter opener? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like swords. I didn't know if that was cold steel or not. No, no, no. Cold steel is like actually good quality. That thing, I think my sister picked me up that in <laughs> like little China in, in Toronto. It's not a Havlon though. Like you, you've never cut paper like you have with a Havlon <laughs> for sure. Like Fair cutting enough. tags is just unbelievable. Fair enough. So there's that. Usually have. I'm trying to think, it's really hard when I'm not in my blind bag. Right. Like on the spot, this is tougher than I thought it would be. Yeah. That's the majority of it. Uh, you're generally going to do the same thing. Like, you know, as you start out, um, you know, you're not, you're not throwing anything out. You're in the sense that you're not using the same things I am because you're not using any sort of scent. Um, yeah. Like there's no feed other than the crop. Not that true. You're I mean, like over. sometimes we do use scent killer. Right. Yeah. Just uh, Devin. Devin uses uh, scent killer. Scent he uses the whole jug. For, like four liters. For bird hunting. Right. <laughs> Oh, I love shrimps. It, it doesn't, that story doesn't get old. Never gets old. Um, is there anything that you take into uh, later season, like to now, besides right. Thank you. packable? So I have the True Timber Packable Down Coat, yeah. which folds into its own pocket. Yeah. That is always in mid to late season. That is always in the top of my blind bag because mm-hmm. my blind bag has this little bungee cord system on the top of it where you can strap something down. So that coat is always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always have a pair of gloves in there just in case. Usually I try to bring all my gear out on the way to the hunt, but sometimes I forget, right? So I always have a backup pair of gloves in there. That's an excellent point. Thank you, Cameron. I always forgot that one. And, uh, okay. So back to you. If you, if someone was, you know, going on a hunt and something, they're putting together their first little pack for a hunt, what would you say like top essentials for white tail to have in your pack that you might not have in there right now. Don't list something that you already said. Okay. So I would start out because I, I've even thought about it many times. Sometimes it, you know, depending on your camo, here's the thing. So Fred bear, Fred bear hunted from a tree stand and he wore blue and red, uh, flannel and blue flannel jeans, all the time. Is that camo? Yes. Um, you, you got to do a bit of your research. Like it's a broken pattern. It, it's saying. a broken pattern. That's right. the thing. So deer don't really see in colors. They see a few colors. They see patterns more or less. They see shapes. They see the size. They see blobs. They see a lot of gray and then a lot of black and a lot of whites. They, if you were to wear a red or a blue flannel, you're not going to necessarily be noticed other than they do see blue as a very... Uh, a high vis color. So if you were to, you know, if you're doing notes on a paper and you highlight something in a highlighter yellow, right? To you, that's how blue looks to deer. 
so where I'm going with this is the patterns in which you wear. So for me, what I take to the tree stand as far as a pack is concerned, it could be considered as kind of a large, like I could look like a blob in a tree to a deer. Right. I'm not a deer. I don't know. But when I change up my packs, I use a much smaller pack. I'll use a, the one pack that I have. It's got a lot more um, like a medium tone green to it, almost a brown. So it kind of just may look as part of the tree where it doesn't really have much pattern to it. But one thing I've been interested in is the packs that you can, like a fanny pack. And that, you know, if you're just bringing out a call, a set of rattle bags, or, um, you know, a couple knives, a flashlight, and or a headlamp. Yep. If those are, you know, say you're bringing out four things, that's all you need to bring out, then that is probably suffice. So start out with um, Badlands, for example, makes a great fanny pack. They make a, a pack that is kind of big enough. It, it goes in a cross-like member over your shoulders. Yeah. It kind of attaches to the uh, your back where you can store your stuff. Take it on and off as you get to. I believe that one can also clip into the um, the Badlands Bino harness. Yeah, I think it does. And um, you, you can put that between your feet. That is simple. You can put that up high. You can hang that on one of the little hooks. But that is where I would start. Okay. Um, having a knife in there, having a headlamp in there, super important. You need something for notching tags. You need something for gutting deer. And you certainly need to have your tags on you. If that's dark when you're going to find your harvest, you need a light. A headlamp is a great piece. Duracell makes a great headlamp. You go to Costco, you pick up a three-pack. Nice. So those are the most important things, and I would say almost the only things that you need to have for a whitetail hunt. Nothing too substantial, just enough to get you by and get the job done. Nice. I think that's a good cover. Um, you'd remind me there is a headlamp in my blind bag. I do have one of those. Uh, there's always extra batteries in there too. Yes. I have a pack of batteries and my Gerber multi-tool. So like has like a little knife on it, screwdriver heads, mm. pliers. Um, it's really sweet because when people's guns fall apart, not my Remington cause it never has, but when people's cheap Benelli's do last weekend, shout out to Matt. Um, you have to use pliers to get back together. So lovely. I was lucky enough that I had pliers on me. I think one thing is that, um, you know, this is, this is a good topic to kind of talk about because when you see photos online of people, you know, I mean, it looks like they're packing out to go move into their new house and they're going out to the blind or the tree stand or whatever. You don't need that much stuff. No, I I think you pack the necessities and you pack for what could happen. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it could get dark, bring a light. Something could go, you could get hurt, bring a, like, first aid kit. Uh But you don't need to bring, like, you know, like, enough, like you said, enough that you're moving a house. You don't need 80,000 pounds of gear out with you. That's a lot of pounds. That's a lot. I think uh, for most instances that we are within 500 meters of our vehicles so that if there is anything, you know, outstanding, right, that you could have that you could leave in your truck. So. I want to talk about what you got over there, what you brought over tonight, because that oh, yeah. is really cool. Yeah, I guess there'll be a picture online later. But there'll, uh, there'll be pictures and videos. It's phenomenal. I love it. I uh, just picked up my taxidermied uh, red foot mallard. Yeah, from my, well, my taxidermist, but he did an amazing job. It's awesome. 
Um, we shot it out in insert area. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was near Ingersoll. Ingersoll, Woodstock. Uh... <laughs> ah, I'm not that crazy. It was near Ingersoll. Have at it. So, anyways, I shot it, um, dropped, and I thought, wow, this is a really, really pretty mallard. Just really mature mallard. And I was kind of hemming and hawing. Cam was like, you should get stuff. And I was like, I was just thinking that in my head. There was, right. there was no hesitation because I like, and so, you know, you can brief on what the red foot is in two seconds, but the mallard so you know me and you band ducks all season long yeah. with james and we see lots of mallards lots of wood ducks i've already shot over 100 mallards this year there you go but it was just like every year i kill a lot of mallards when you see something like you that see you something? just know yeah. it wasn't banded or anything nope but it, it just stood out i said like my i think my first words were you've got to mount yeah. that it was perfect it, it has you know it's fully matured it has beautiful like purple and green color in the head mm-hmm. um the speculum's gorgeous blue. I think we'd post a brief photo of it. So that duck that we did post a lot a few weeks ago on Instagram, mm-hmm. that's the duck I got mounted. And like I said, it's um, I've never really got a red foot mallard before, which is a northern bird. Um, they're typically a little smaller than a low, like than a mallard that we get in our area. I mean, it's still a big bloody mallard. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, typically they're smaller. They uh. They have their, so you know on their chest, they have that uh, chestnut color. So a normal mallard will have white tips along the edge of those feathers, yeah. where this guy doesn't. Yeah. It's just a full chestnut color. Yeah. And, I mean, if you look at a mallard from far, you're like, oh, no, it's chestnut. But if you look close, you'll see what I'm saying. And, I mean, his he has fully matured mal- uh, curls on the tail. And, yeah, it's just perfect. So the taxidermist was awesome enough to give me an idea, and he's like, hey, um, if you want, let's get a black duck, or uh, I think it would be easier with a wood duck drake because they're a little smaller. And the driftwood that this is on is just big enough to put another duck on there. So I think that'll be something moving forward to keep an eye out for. Get a nice, really mature drake mallard or a nice, really mature black duck mm-hmm. to go beside them. I think this is a, a great piece, and don't take uh, anything bad from this, but uh, a lot of people you know, you'll see on a social media post where that someone will say, not my biggest or not my best, not my most yeah. beautiful. This is an absolute beautiful duck. He didn't come with any jewelry. No, no, it doesn't matter. But he came with such colors that when you have people that have, I'm not going to say um, pros, I'm going to say experienced hunters that see these types of things all the time. Yeah. And when their first initial thoughts are something of you need to get that mounted. The first things that are standing out are the colors, the size, uh, the nature, like you got to remember. So when there's this many ducks and birds coming into a bird hunt, and I'm going to say this because I'm not a a huge bird hunter. It like your adrenaline gets going. If you got four guys in blinds, uh, the, the fields lit up with, shotgun shots you know your ears may be ringing if you have no protection oh, i also have ear protection in my blind bag awesome there we go there's another fun fact and i i think that there's so much animosity going on through that instance that you don't really um pick out like wow just just look at what you harvested yeah and as soon as you picked it up it was just like all of us were like wow that is a beautiful yeah color. like this the, this the colors are I love it. So I'm obviously much more of a big game hunter, but the appreciation for small game and birds is when I see something like that, 
Amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. It was funny. Um, when I called him and I said, yeah, you know, I want to get this done. He's like, okay, well, you know, like, uh, what's the occasion? And I was like, that's a nice mallard. He's like, oh, like, you know, first mallard? I was like, no. <laughs> He's like, uh, like, new, new tax terms, by the way. Yeah. So he goes, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, like, uh, special hunt? No, not really. Oh. He's like, why are you getting mounted? Like, he's like, I don't want to turn you off, but like, why are you getting mounted? I was like, it's a nice duck, and I want a duck collection. Like, yeah. I've never, you know. And that, that that's it. That's uh, perfectly backs up what I'm saying is yeah. because I had just, a wh- I had amazing. a white mallard before that I dropped off taxidermist. The whole different story, piece of shit. Didn't give me my money back. Yeah. Didn't give me the duck back. Whole different story for another day. But I mean, end of the day, I want a duck collection. Yeah. No, it's it's great, man. I. I'm so pumped you got that on the driftwood. It looks unbelievable. He's got that perfect white ring around the neck. Oh, yeah. He's beautiful. Yeah. That is a nice-looking duck. I can't wait. Hopefully, you can uh, put something soon up on the other most upper side of the I'm hoping driftwood. so. I, if I shot an American black duck and a wood duck, I don't know which one I would rather have on there. I kind of want to do the wood duck just because they're so perfect. I would have to see the orange and greens on the wood duck because that's there. There's there's so much color to them. That's what I want to see. I on love wood ducks. The, the crest on their head and mm-hmm. their chest colors. Yeah. Oh god, they're gorgeous. It is incredible. The dog himself just absolutely loves, loves that it. duck. Yeah, he's been he's looking at it all night. Friend of ducks. And um, did you want to say hi to your duck friends? No. Okay. Um, but yeah, man. Awesome. Good for you. I love the love the mount. I can't wait to see more on top of that. Yeah, I'm um, something nice, right? Like it's something to have around in the house, and I mean, it, I'm pretty happy. I mean, end of the day, it was Steve's first waterfowl hunt, mm-hmm. so I mean, it kind of helps you remember that. And uh, first field we ever hunted out there in that area, which I mean isn't far from us at all. But it, it, there, there's so many stories to be told on that hunt because we had probably seen, what would you say, 400, 500 birds? Oh, my God. But they kept – they didn't want anything to do with it. That was the most frustrating of hunt I've had this yeah, year. I would say that is the most like, frustrating hunt I've ever been on. Because, you know, normally you can break some geese off. You can – you scout it. They're in there. You have it. You're good. But they were going – they were beelining right over. It's not even looking. I mean, I was – I try the nobody's home approach where, you know, you don't call. You just leave the decoys. Nothing. Okay, starts, you know, normal clocking, nothing crazy, nothing. Uh, starts screaming at a different flock, you know, throwing spit clucks, throwing spit moans, everything you got in the bloody book, nothing. It was just, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll try not calling again, nothing. It was just so annoying. Anyways, the evening ended up being a little better for us, but yeah, Jesus, man. It, it took some serious tactics and some uh, in and out of field tactics to get It took it some done. moving around, too. We had to move some blinds around. Yeah. And, you know, Blinds, um, some decoy rearrangements. And yeah. it, that was a tough hunt, man. Like, was, birds was, are, especially when I, when I tell people, like, you know, yeah, I'm going hunting with Marcello. They're like, oh, right on. I'm like, yeah, you know what? We should probably uh, fill our limit. And uh, <laughs> that's how that hunt usually goes. You know, as soon as Marcello can... The second you can get them to respond to your call, it's usually you've got them on a it's, string. It's nice, though, because, like, you can... That was a rough go. That was the... <laughs> I, I didn't, like, anything. I was, okay, well, maybe the decoys are too tight. We're spreading apart, nothing. Okay, well, you know, maybe they're... Uh, we call this the Stewart Shuffle in our group because of Mackenzie. Right. Um, right around 8 o'clock in the morning, he always has to move the decoys. So anytime you move decoys, it's the Stewart Shuffle. So... I'm like, okay, well, you know, I got to move these decoys. Like, uh, okay, I'll put them over here. Nothing. 
okay, uh, you know, maybe our cover's bad. We're on the fence line. I get that. You know, birds don't want to be right on the fence line. They like the middle of the field. Okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll set up in the middle of the field. We move all the decoys, move the blinds to the middle of the field. We switch from a bush line cover right up to stubbled corn cover. Nothing. Like, it was just anything. They just did not want that field, but the night before they wanted it, it was just it, baffling. Anyways, yeah, no, that's, uh, that mount reminds me of all that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's, uh, that's what hunting's all about. Yeah. So, anyways, I think that's uh, enough for what's in the box. Yeah. You got any final concluders? Not really, other than I'm tired of sitting at home staring at my bow while it collects dust for the week that the gun hunters get to run around in orange. Yeah, that's fair. We'll to- keep it on a small note, but uh, in yeah. the I mean, years, like, months to come, hopefully that changes very yeah. soon. Like, I'll clear this up. Like, Cam and I are happy that people get to go. We've done control hunts before. Many times. It's just, I think this year we did both decided not to do the control hunt, so it's just kind of biting us in the ass. No, I didn't not decide to do it. It's that the MNR no, said, the MNR, I didn't apply. No, the MNR decided that you yeah, weren't going to do it. Yeah, the MNR decided for me that I wasn't going to participate this year. Well, thank you for that. Um, me amongst a few others that I'm close with. Also didn't apply. People that have worked for the Ministry of Natural Resources, people that have done it for seven years, people that have done it for ten years, that have all of a sudden forgot to apply. No, it totally makes sense, especially when you introduce a new system. Correct, yes. Um, so, well, with any luck, there there could be some changes in the near future, hopefully. Yeah. If you have any, uh, I'm just going to leave that at that, but if you have any more questions on that, please feel free to DM us, and yeah. I will certainly answer it. But until I know more, I am not going to speak much more on it. Fair. Um, what... Are you, your tactics yeah. for? Sorry, go on. No, I was good. No, I, I have a concluder. So you ask your question. Okay, what are your tactics going on uh, for this next couple weeks? We are into the um, first week of December, and we're right, planning so, to hit it off this weekend. Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of migrators right now. Mm-hmm. Big flocks. Um, it's awesome right now. So we have two fields lined up for Saturday. Hopefully, you know we're gonna choose one of the two for the morning. And hopefully we limit out. We don't even have to go out in the evening. Water or feed right now? Feed. If you can find water, you're going to smash ducks. You're going to smash ducks. Our water's locked up, though, like in our fields that we own. I'm not saying like every water in our area. I just mean like what we have access to. Um, so they're hitting the – you saw them in a bean field, which is, you know, it's weird, but whatever. Um, but they're locked up in cornfields in our area. So we drove by last night. Or drove by, so it's Wednesday right now. So we drove by on a Monday, and they were in f- field A. There was about 400 geese. We're like, okay, awesome. We already have permission in that field. Hopefully they stay there before Saturday. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, Tuesday, which is yesterday, I drove by field A, stayed there for until dark. Nothing, not a single bird. Well, drove by field B on the way home, like, just catching last little bit of dark or light before dark there's about 300 geese in our other fields so as long as they stay in one of those two fields we're good for this weekend right and uh we're finding this last two couple weeks for geese not so much for ducks but for geese they're not doing the morning feed as much so you know i don't know it's that time of year maybe where they do that one long feed I could just be making that up, but it's what it seems like in our area. Um, but not getting into too many honkers in the morning. The evenings have been killer for us, but I don't know. So 
Well, it's a great tactic to go by, and we'll, we'll play it by that. Yeah, I'm excited for this weekend. Me too. Um, okay, so concluder mm-hmm. is I want to say, you know, obviously thanks for everyone. Um, thanks, Ray, from Kickaboo Spice. I want to give him a big shout-out again. And if you have anything that you put in your blind bag or your deer bag, and we didn't mention it, um, you know, message us and let us know. I'm interested to see what you guys have in your bags. Uh, also, if you could hit the furthest right star on where you listen to podcasts and give us a five star or a four star give us a one star if we really deserve it we want to know um but it really means a lot when we get those things and you know it helps us push onto companies and be like hey you know people are loving what we do um you know maybe we can get some items for a giveaway which is what we're in the middle of trying to do right now which is really fun so if you guys help us out we'd love to help you out absolutely yeah please go to kickaboo shop uh, dossier Ooh. for 10% off if you use the code uh, Kika OOP and you can check out some awesome healthy spices for your wild game endeavors and please be sure to check us out on Instagram Ontario Outdoor Pursuit as always thank you guys for chiming in and we will see you towards the end of hunting season